The college football playoff selection committee released its rankings going to conference championship week, and we got to talk about what happens if Texas Christian loses to Kansas State? What happens if USC loses to Utah? And did they get Ohio State's ranking right? Let's go. It's the number one college football show. What's up, kid folks? It's RJ Young. I am not on a step mill. Thank you for watching on the Fox Sports app, YouTube, or listening wherever you get your podcast. Today on the show, we have to react to the college football playoff selection committee's rankings going into this all-important conference championship week. And the way that it is structured, we got questions. We have questions for which I will provide you answers. And please, bear with me as we get started with this one, which doesn't really affect the college football playoff, not really, but it's just another reason as to why the college football playoff select committee is derelict in its duties, all right? Question is, did the committee get five through seven right? And we're talking about Alabama, Tennessee, and of course, Ohio State. So I want to start with number five there. Yes, you got Ohio State right at number five. They lost to Michigan, which is the number two team in the country. It is their first loss of the season. Yes, they lost at home, but you've seen what you need to from Ohio State to know that it's a really good football program. And you've also kind of set up what you're telegraphing going into conference championship week, which is that if Texas Christian and USC do what they do, we should know some answers. Going to get to that just a little bit, but I've got a problem here with six and seven. How the hell is Alabama ranked ahead of Tennessee? Did not Tennessee beat Alabama head-to-head and straight up? Because last time I checked, the scoreboard said Tennessee won, Alabama lost. All right? More than that, it says that Tennessee beat LSU like a drum in Tiger Stadium at fake Death Valley. Yeah, I said it. Real Death Valley's in Clemson. You know what it is if you're a college football historian, and I am. And you know what Alabama did to LSU? They caught one of these. You know what this is? It's an L, podcast listener. It's an L. They caught one of these in the same place where Tennessee stomped out LSU and beat them like they stole something. What are they watching over there? What are the suits in the boardroom watching? I spend my entire life watching college football from Tuesday on, trying to be really clear about what I see and fair about what I see, and then to see this. So what you're telling me is you still take it hard that Tennessee lost to a South Carolina team that just beat the hell out of top 10 to Clemson, by the way, in real Death Valley. And more than that, you are taking it out on Joe Milton, who ain't done nothing but lead his team to a 56-0 win against the Vanderbilt team that it knocked up not one but two SEC opponents in back-to-back weeks. What are we doing here, all right? I did not expect to sit here in front of you and be caping for Tennessee, but damn it, that's what we're doing. Josh Heupel walked into a mess where player after player was jumping into the transfer portal, and he turned in a winner. He turned in the best season that I have seen Tennessee have since 1997. I was friggin' 10 years old. They're outstanding in Knoxville, and that deserves your respect. I understand that y'all got a thing for Nick Saban. I don't think you got a thing for Dabo Sweeney. But damn it, man, Tennessee got the win. They got the pelts. And you're still mad about them losing to South Carolina. I can't with this. I can't. Alabama has the two losses, okay? They lost to Tennessee, a team you rank number one in the country, right? 
and they lost to LSU. A team Tennessee beat like LSU. Just, I am beyond irritated by this because I believe the scoreboard shouldn't matter. If you beat somebody, you should be ranked ahead of them. Full stop. All right. Next question we got to get to is, are Georgia and Michigan in the college football playoff no matter what? I would think so. I would think if Purdue showed up and beat Michigan, that it would take some margin for many people to think if Michigan is not one of the four best teams in the country. Full stop. Probably have to go with Charlie Jones having 300 yards, Aiden O'Connell having 500, then winning something like 48 to 20. But I just don't see that happening because the talent at Michigan is outstanding. J.J. McCarthy is an outstanding quarterback who's grown into his own, had a really great breakout game against Ohio State in Columbus. And Donovan Edwards has shown everybody that he's just as good as the dude that he was replacing, which is no mean feat because Blake Corum is a Heisman finalist for me. Okay? That's the kind of season he put together, whether or not he played against Ohio State or not. I think they can take a loss in the Big Ten Championship and still get in. Same thing is true for Georgia, by the way, right? We're talking about J.J. McCarthy, who is finding guys like Cornelius Johnson on the outside. And Cornelius Johnson is absolutely turning an out route into an explosive play and a TD. And he did it not once, but twice in scoring for them. I thought it was outstanding the kind of poise that J.J. McCarthy continued to show as the game progressed. And I believe he's going to show that in the Big Ten Championship game at Lucas Oil Stadium on Saturday. I think that Purdue is in a really great position to try to knock off the defending Big Ten champions and stop them from being undefeated going into the college football playoff because they have the tools at wide receiver and at running back along with, you know, a six-string quarterback that's turned into an all-Big Ten performer for me in Aiden O'Connell. Now, it's about whether or not they can stop the run, and so far ain't nobody been able to stop Michigan from running the football at all. That ought to terrify you if you are Georgia, if you are Texas Christian. If you're that other four team that gets into the college football playoff, you should know nobody's been able to stop Jim Harbaugh's offense from running over anybody they want to. That is the reason to put them in the college football playoff because on the eye test alone, that's one of the four best teams in college football. All right. What happens if TCU loses to USC? Uh, my, or excuse me. Let me go to that again because I said that wrong. What happens if TCU loses and USC wins? See how I did it that way? My goodness, my, my producers are probably losing their minds right now going, did he just say that? All right, so if TCU loses to Kansas State and USC beats Utah, I think that TCU is going to get booted, and I think Ohio State's going to get into that fourth spot. USC's going to slide into the third spot. I think the same thing is true if we go with what happens if USC loses and TCU wins, right? That means that TCU retains its spot in the college football playoff, and USC loses its spot in the college football playoff. They are telegraphing for you that they believe that Ohio State will be one of the four best teams in college football if USC or Texas Christian fail to win their respective conference championships. Now, there's reasons as to why, right? And I'm going to wrap this all into what happens if TCU and USC lose as we go. Okay. You've seen enough of Ohio State to know on the eye test that is at best, or excuse me, at worst, one of the five best teams in college football, right? You've seen it. It's fine. It's okay to know that C.J. Stroud is a Heisman finalist. It's okay to know that when they are completely healthy, Travion Henderson, Mayan Williams are back there. It's really difficult to stop that offense doing what they want to do. They've also done all of this without what we think is wide receiver number one in the NFL draft in 2023 in Jackson Smith and Jigba, who I think was in a letter jacket in Columbus when they played against Michigan. If he was going to play, that would have been the game that I would have seen him play. Now I think he's just Nick Bosa on a shelf, which is fine because they have dudes. They got Emeka Ibuka. They've got Julian Fleming. They've got Marvin Harrison Jr., 
who just earlier today was named one of the three Blitnikoff Award finalists. By the way, Charlie Jones got snubbed, Purdue wide receiver, and it's been since 2004 since the Blitnikoff Award decided that they wanted to put two Big Ten wide receivers among their three finalists. And I think that's egregious because they left both Garrett Wilson or Gar- yes, Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave off of their Blitnikoff Award finalist list to add David Bell last year. So they're just playing whack-a-mole here at this point. But when I look at TCU and I look at USC, I see two things. I don't think that TCU has the firepower to challenge Georgia, which is what you're really saying, right? Do you have that to challenge Georgia? Do you have that to challenge Michigan? And I've seen them play too many close games this season for me to feel like they've got a really great chance to go win those games. Now, if you want to take an issue with that and you're from Fort Worth, you go to Texas Christian, by all means, come at me. I will hear it. But you've seen what I've seen, which is a defense that hasn't always found its way, but finds a way to make plays against Big 12 teams. Okay? Outside of the Big 12, we're talking about Colorado and Southern Methodist, two teams that ain't very good, right? Southern Methodist operated like a team in its first year with Rhett Ashley, and Colorado fired its head coach, all right? Outside of that, you're talking about Oklahoma, Kansas State, Oklahoma State, Texas. The best that they have shown for me was against Texas, right? You hold that team to scoring nothing, not a zero in your end zone, right? With B. John Robinson, who is one of the finalists for the Doak Walker Award, to almost nothing, right? I think it was 12 for 29. You also have demonstrated to us that you can play outstanding pass defense, like Travius Hodgland, Hodges Samuelson, excuse me, Trey, is a jumped-up award finalist, right? Now, you know I think the world of Joe Gillespie and, and the job that he's able to do. But Georgia's still got dudes on that defense, and Georgia's going to run the football, and Stetson Bennett is going to make plays. And frankly, they can afford errors you cannot. That's what it comes down to. For USC, I saw the best defensive performance that they put on all year against Notre Dame. And as much as I want to credit them for being able to stop Notre Dame, it's Drew Pine that's back there. It's not Tyler Buckner. And Tyler Buckner was the starting quarterback before he got hurt. And Tyler Buckner played Ohio State to an 11-point win, right? If Tyler Buckner can learn how to slide and get out of bounds and not take hits, maybe we're talking about a different Notre Dame team. But it speaks volumes about what they've been able to do and bounce back from that they were in a position to challenge USC in the way that they did because they found a run game where I didn't think they had one, right? They had three tailbacks that they really like. And when they could get them rolling and give Drew Pine one-on-one opportunities, he was able to take advantage of that with guys like Michael Mayer. And I believe that USC does not have the horses on defense to stop Michigan running the football, to stop Georgia running the football. And as much as I would like to see Riley versus Riley, Texas Christian versus USC, I just don't think that's how it's going to go. It'd be 1-4. And four would be USC in this instance, and three would be Texas Christian playing against Michigan. So we would not get the games that we want to see in the first place. It ended up being Georgia and Michigan in a national championship game. And folks from Georgia say we did that last year. We beat them, you know, handily in the semifinals. I'm also looking at this, and the the most interesting it gets is what happens if TCU and USC lose. Now it's a party. It's a party because everybody gets to argue, right? Outside of Michigan and Georgia getting in, we will have at least five teams that everybody wants to yell about, right? Maybe six if we include Clemson, who is the worst for me of the two-loss teams, but if they win an ACC championship, Penn State would not have a conference championship. Alabama would not have a conference championship. 
And then I'm just going to make this even more weird and say LSU beats Georgia, and that's a three-loss team, okay? I think when you look at that, you're, you're back to eye test. You're back to eye test because you're not going to put one loss Ohio State not in the conference championship, or you're going to put them in. You're going to put them in the college football playoff. You're going to put Ohio State in the college football playoff with one loss. I don't know that you're going to put LSU in the college football playoff with three, even with a conference championship. Now that I said that, the way it comes out in my brain, because that's the other part about this that I find wild and fascinating. Because when I go to write this stuff down, it really does come down to okay, what do I look at a blind resume? And then what do I look like? What does your roster look like? And we know that the college football playoff selection committee loves a roster. They love a roster and they love a head coach, right? And frankly, they've been proven correct. So I'll take it back to 2014. You had a one-loss TCU, a one-loss Baylor, and a one-loss Ohio State. Who do you think got in the 2014 college football playoff? Ohio State. Better roster, a coach that had been there, done that, won a national championship. And what did they do? They ran the table and they won a national championship. I think if TCU and USC get into a staring contest with Ohio State, they're going to lose. And frankly, I think that's the way that it should go. I think Ohio State has proven that they are a good football team who lost to a better football team in Columbus, Ohio. And frankly, I would love nothing more than to see Michigan and Ohio State play once again in the college football playoff, right? Mostly because I don't get to see him play again in the Big Ten Championship. Like, we still got divisions, and I, and I hate that because that's the game that would be happening if we did not have divisions. Ohio State and Michigan would have to play each other again, and we'd have a definitive invitee to the college football playoff and somebody else that's probably just going to go play in the Rose Bowl. And that might still be true, by the way. But I would like it better if I got to see round two of Ohio State-Michigan, even as Michigan has taken the last two in a row. Outside of that, Real quickly, going through the top 25, I thought it was very interesting to see Kansas State at number 10, right? And and I think that speaks volumes about, one, who they were able to beat last week in the Sunflower State uh, state Championship, right, against Kansas. That's That means Kansas is a good football team. And it also means that Will Howard is a quarterback that everybody is in on now. So in the Big 12 Championship, we're going to have two backup quarterbacks, or at least they started the year as backup quarterbacks, leading their teams into the conference championship in Max Duggan and Will Howard. Very excited about that. I'm also looking at Utah at 11, which feels about right. But Utah's also looking at this game going, we beat USC earlier this year. We are the defending Pac-12 champions. And we would like to remind the nation that that is what it is. That if USC and UCLA want to leave us to go to the Big Ten, they can leave with this L twice in a row. And nobody is able to close like Utah is able to close. Ask Oregon about that. All right. They play some of their best football. Also, two quarterbacks are going to start in this game. Caleb Williams, Cam Rising were both recruited by Lincoln Riley. One, it committed to him at Oklahoma. And the other one also committed to him at Oklahoma and joined him at USC. I find that to be really interesting. As we get through the bottom of this, Tulane is in the driver's seat to get that group of five invite to the Cotton Bowl. If they beat UCF in their conference championship, they'll go. It'll also cap off the best season that they've had since 1998 when they finished the season 12-0. and North Carolina 23, this is going to be fun for me to watch the ACC championship because North Carolina has not won a league championship since 1980, right? Even as Georgia, by the way, is looking to get its back-to-back SEC championships for the first time since 81 and 82. But Drake May and DJ Uwe Ungalale going at it is fun to me. And going right now, I think Drake May is the best player in the ACC. 
I wonder if Clemson is going to bow its back and try to go get this conference championship in a way that they haven't for the last two years. Remember, we had six straight years of Clemson running the ACC and then using that conference championship to get into the college football playoff. I don't see a way in which the ACC gets a team into the playoff at all. And I think that North Carolina might be able to take advantage of a Clemson team that might know they're only playing for a New Year's Six Bowl berth in conference championship and not for an opportunity to play in the college football playoff. Also, full stop, uh, I enjoy finally seeing Florida State ranked ahead of LSU because they had the same amount of losses that Florida State beat LSU. Same thing with Oregon State ahead of Oregon. They beat uh, Oregon State beat the Ducks in their Civil War last week. Very excited about that. But as we get into the rest of this week and we head toward what I hope will be a fantastic, well, Friday night for the Pac-12 championship and Saturday for us in the conference championships, I want chaos. So I'm hoping for at least one upset. Hopefully you are too, uh, because that's going to make it way more fun for us to talk about right here on this show when we do it live and on Selection Sunday. As soon as the College Football Playoff Selection Committee releases its rankings, we will talk about them right here on the number one college football show. On the way out, over at FoxSports.com, there are a couple of stories you should go read by our college football writers. I wrote one about C.J. Stroud profile that is through the lens of his mother, Kim, who was really outstanding with me, giving me access to her and her thoughts and how her son became the starting quarterback at Ohio State and a Heisman finalist. Michael Cohen wrote about the mentors that would be Jesse Mentor and his father, who were on staff at Michigan, as Jesse Mentor was named one of the three finalists for the Broyles Award. Outstanding feature. You should go check it out if for no other reason than to take a look at Rick Mentor's rules for playing great football. Brian Fisher wrote about how the championship week highlights coaches and how they use their different methods, uh, methods to earn success, highlighting guys like Sonny Dykes, Lincoln Riley, Jim Harbaugh, especially if you want to get a peek inside their mind, go check that out. And then again, my man, Michael Cohen, big 10 writer for us at Fox sports on how Jim Harbaugh is recruiting to build and develop, not just to make stars. Like they've been consistently behind when we talk about stars mattering. And yet, the sum of their parts has been outstanding and greater than the whole, right? Like it's just really just all over there. Because if you look at their their roster and you look at Ohio State's roster, you could see some dis, uh, some dissimilarities. But they've been able to do it Jim Harbaugh's way, and we'll see if that way not only leads into a second straight Big Ten championship, the first one they would have since two thousand three two thousand four, but to another college football playoff first and maybe first national championship since nineteen ninety seven. All right, that is going to do it for this episode of the number one college football show. My thanks as always to our lead producer, Tyler Wojak. Our senior producer is Catherine Donnelly. Our director is Chaz Boulay. Uh, our social media maven is Javion Duncan. I'm the host, RJ. We will talk to y'all in a couple of days. Deuces.